The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. Guess what? I'll be your host for today. I'm a spiritual journeyman and media consultant. I run a website with online courses called youthrifehere.com, and I'm at the Center for Spiritual Living Greater Baltimore at cslgreaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today is my wonderful co-host, spiritual rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah's the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm okay, Jim. I have to admit, I'm mourning some trees. Are we you? A, yeah, we had a really big storm here last night and a lot of rain. And the trucks showed up this morning, you know, the big ones to haul the, the trees that came down. And I've um, been thinking a lot about, you know, how sad it is when we have big storms and we lose those big, beautiful oaks and maples and walnuts around here. Well, that's true, you know, and uh, we're going to be talking with our guest today about nature and, and healing with nature. I agree with you. You know, sometimes we forget, some of us anyway, forget how important nature is into our in our lives, you know, and I, I have to admit that uh, I don't walk around barefoot. Do you walk around barefoot? I do actually. I'm either in, uh, I'm either barefoot or in really, really heavy boots. I have no in between. <laughs> I've either got really heavy feet or light feet. I do find that walking barefoot uh, can help, but I spend a lot of time, you know, at home where I can. Right, right. You know, we can't always walk around like when I'm in New York City, don't want to be going barefoot. No, you definitely don't. No. Different, whole different concept of uh, barefoot and uh, nature in New York City. Anyway, you know, I did have a teacher once. I was I was uh, training with an indigenous teacher who said that sometimes when we're in cities, we forget that city is nature too, and when we look at brick, to remember that that came from the earth, or that concrete com- came from the earth, or that even the the little weed or what we call a weed, but the little green life that's trying to come up in a sidewalk crack, that all of these things can be nature too. So I, I think that's an interesting thing to talk to with our guest today about, is nature just the big, beautiful, green, expanse, you know, national parks? Or is 
nature perhaps something that we can we can stretch the meaning of a little bit what about you what is nature for you jim well, I think of nature, it's just, it's outdoors. I mean, for me, it's time on the deck when I'm looking at the trees and getting the sense of the the air and, and uh, when I'm at the beach, walking on the beach. And these are things that I think of when I think of nature. So it's an interesting perspective to think of, of city as nature too, because I've, I've never really thought about that. Yeah, even in, you know, when I'm in New York City, I love to go to Bryant Park. Right. And so you have trees and you have birds. The other day, you know, there's a big sculpture of some guy. I, I didn't go and look, but, you know, the big bronze sculpture of some guy and a bird showed up the other day when I was sitting reading there and just sat on the big bronze guy's head. And I just cracked up because I thought, you know, this is a moment of city nature where we have, you know, beings who live uh, in uh, in buildings uh, on top of air conditioners, you know, these different ways that uh, different beings have life. So I think looking at nature is outside. I can go with that. Outside of regardless where I am. Very cool. Very cool. Well, are you uh, prepared for a quote today? I am. Here we go. Healing and blessing can come to us in many ways. God is infinitely resourceful. So stay open to possibility. Like that very much. Who's that? That's Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. And I know we're talking about healing today. So the idea of healing and blessing together uh, felt really poignant for me today. Here's mine. The most beautiful experience we can have is the mysterious, the fundamental emotion which stands at the cradle of true art and true science. Oh, that's a good wordsmith. Who is that? A guy named Albert Einstein it's attributed to. Guy named Albert Einstein. I think I've heard of that guy. Have you? Yeah, he's he was a pretty famous guy, I think. You know what I love about Einstein is there's so many quotes um, attributed to him or that we can look at in his readings where he really merges science and spirituality in a way that doesn't put them in a binary to each other. I get so irritated when we think about like science is on one side and spirituality and religion are on the other and somehow they're diametrically opposed. Einstein was able to walk that pretty well. I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, we we talked with uh, our friend at, who wrote uh, Spirit Tech, Kate Stockley, the other week. And, uh, you know, they don't have to be opposed. Science and spirituality go hand in hand. I heard once someone say they're different languages for talking about something, talking about eternal truths. Very interesting. Science versus, I don't remember who said that. We'll have to tra track that down for someday's quote. We'll do that. I'll get our researchers on it right away. <laughs> Yay, cue the minions. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to get into the episode? Let's do it. This is Martha Creek, MarthaCreek.com. I'm reading from a book of poetry called Susceptible to Light by Chellen Harkin. C-H-E-L-A-N, Harkin, H-A-R-K-I-N. So I dedicate this to the evolution of our humanity. Leave your shoes. Leave your shoes. Leave your shoes and your old concepts of God at the door. Hang your heavy identities on the coat rack. You simply don't need those things in here. 
it's much too warm in this house for all the facade you've been bundling up in. If you come with pain, let's use it to light a fire in this old hearth. Sharing this flame puts it in its rightful place where our humanity can gather, where our humanity can gather around it together, gather around it together and sing. Leave your shoes and your old concepts of God at the door. And let's see what wonders emerge. And let's see what wonders emerge when we let our souls and our feet free to finally begin to dance. So what old concepts of God do you have? that you're willing to question even, or set aside, or leave at the door, or surrender to, or drop an opinion about. So I know that I have plenty, including my own naive three-year-old beliefs that I formed as a little girl, that as long as I'm a good girl, God will give me everything I ask. Like Santa Claus, or like a vending machine. If I put something in, I'm gonna get something out. So I'm working to grow myself up spiritually and emotionally, and it requires me to leave my old concepts of God at the door to see what wonders emerge and to let my soul finally begin to dance in the divinity, the wholeness, and the perfection of who I am and who you are. Let's dance. Blessings, friends. MarthaCreek.com to contact me. Hello, everybody. It's Edward Biagiotti, and I am the co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Big Universe to talk about supporting others. Of course, the first rule of thumb with supporting others is that we must support ourselves. Having some form of daily morning routine that involves meditation, Inspired reading and affirmative prayer for me is just as essential as brushing my teeth or any of the other things that I do throughout the day to support myself. Because once I get in touch with myself and see the truth of who I am, it becomes a whole lot easier to be true to others and to see the truth of who they are when they might be struggling with limiting beliefs or challenges that seem overwhelming. When I feel connected to myself, it's so easy to tap into the truth of another person. So when we remember who we are and then see someone in that light of truth, that is, I have found that that is the most effective way to support others. Have a great day. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you on Big Universe. And now it's time for our interview. Dr. Rochelle Calvert is the founder of New Mindful Life. She studied mindfulness for the past 16 years and among other things, Rochelle leads classes, courses, seminars, and retreats in mindfulness, wild nature-based mindfulness, mindfulness-based stress reduction, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. Are you sensing a theme here? Mindfulness-based eating, parenting, and the workplace. She works as a clinical psychologist in private practice in San Diego. And her new book is Healing with Nature, Mindfulness and Somatic Practices to Heal from Trauma. Hi, Rochelle. Wonderful to have you on Big Universe. Thanks, Jim. Nice to be here. 
It's awesome. Very much enjoyed your book. And uh, I hear in the background there, and I see in the background there, you're out in nature right this very moment, which I kind of wish I was recording out there too. <laughs> yes, I think we all can. We just have to get used to setting ourselves up out here. But yes, I'm in uh, the San Diego Canyon. A lot of people don't think that San Diego has a lot of canyons, but it does. And I live in one and uh, these are my friends in my garden, and uh, they'll probably make lots of loud appearances as we're <laughs> meeting today. Well, we we love that, and uh, you know, if my dog or cat comes by, I'll just let them join the fun. That sounds perfect. <laughs> so your book um, is about healing with nature, and um, I'm I know that it's it's in four parts, and I want to try to maybe cover a little bit about each of them. We've got awakening in nature as part one, somatic knowing in nature living into your aliveness with nature and healing nature. I'm, I'm wondering, first off, I mean, you talk about healing trauma. How do you define trauma? Yeah, I, uh, part of the reason for writing this book was to help kind of demystify a little bit of what we think trauma typically means. It's often talked about more clinically. And, you know, even in the clinical world, we want to identify trauma as being a big T trauma or a little T trauma. And what I'm suggesting in the book is that, you know, trauma can be defined by the person themselves as what felt traumatic. You know, we might have the classically defined things, like if we've been in situations with combat or war or natural disasters or had physical or sexual assaults, but we might also have gone through a very poignant loss that felt traumatic. We might have gone through bullying that felt traumatic. I think it's really personal to the individual. And so we can look at it from the point of view that it's really an experience you went through that was deeply or significantly distressing to you. And you just didn't feel like you had enough resources to really get through it. Like to feel like you got on the other side and life went back to its normal equilibrium. If it didn't, it sticks around a little bit. Like it just causes us to wanna engage in hypervigilance or different behaviors to kind of manage preventing that from happening again. And it really means we just didn't have enough resources with that experience we went through so that our bodies and our nervous system kind of comes back to that homeostasis. So whatever that might be for an individual, and we all have many different things we go through in life that might fit that definition. And the one thing of recent that I feel like collectively we've been going through is this pandemic trauma. Oh my like gosh, has, yes, yes. <laughs> we can have, all of us are going to have a similar, but probably a slightly different flavor of the impact of the distressing experience and how much resource we had to bear on it is impacting how we're coming through it. Absolutely. So what, how does nature, this is a big question. I know we're going to go into more detail, but how does nature help us deal with trauma? Yeah. Well, we can have a long conversation on just that question <laughs> alone, I think, but very, a very simple way that I feel like was a huge impetus for why this, the core teachings of the book are all wedded and incorporated with nature is that when we are in relationship to nature, our nervous systems settle down. It's like you just commented when you we got on the call, right? That, oh, I wish I were in that nature setting. <laughs> our nervous systems are kind of like, oh yes, it just feels better out there. And so we come out here and we feel the breeze or we hear the bird song or we see something beautiful with the light our whole body, our being is designed to just go. And so if we're going to be working with things that are very challenging and stuck within us, I believe there's no better container um, that's really here for us and available to us to be able to support that healing. 
And so Rochelle, can you define what nature is for you or how you're using that here in the book? Jim and I were having a little banter earlier in our intro today about what exactly nature is. Yeah. Well, anything that's of the natural world, which then means really anything. <laughs> and that includes the walls of your house, <laughs> which we don't often like look at and go, oh, thanks for being here, tree and rocks of the earth. And, you know, but yet that's, that's what is made of the container that we sit in with our home. And so I think it's anything that's of the natural world or part of the relationship to the natural world. We, I think when we think nature, we can think, oh, I need to get out to the big expansive, no man-made influenced, you know, kind of different interpretations of nature that man has made. But really, it, it, we can tap into that no matter where we are, get asked, how can we do these practices like in urban settings? And I would say, well, when you walk outside and you put your feet on the concrete, the concrete's the earth. It's literally the earth. It's just a different form of it. What would it be like to get down and look at the sprinkles of it and the different textures of it? And that that's actually all constitution of you know, rock and minerals and things that are of the earth, just in a different particular form. So while we might be like inclined to things that are big mountains for me it's canyons and you know maybe for some it's water um we can find it in in everyday life in whatever way we need to be able to use it as our ally for these practices and you talk about ecosystems of healing what do you mean by that yeah so mindfulness somatic practices and nature I'm pointing to each one of those as being respective potential ecosystems of healing. Right? We, we know a lot about mindfulness that has been being studied quite a bit and we, can, we could spend a lot of time on understanding how practices within the understanding of mindfulness have different ecosystems of healing to our mind, to our body, to our, our emotional states. But so does somatic. There's different practice within that world of learning how to really heal and establish a healthier relationship to our bodies that is its own respective ecosystem of healing. And then nature. We are beginning to study nature. And I find that a lot of that research feels like, well, that seems like a common sense observation <laughs> in the research. We like, have to prove what we already know. <laughs> like bird song and water improves my mood. Oh, oh, well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. I think I already know that. But, but all of that, each one kind of pointing to respective ways that we feel the established sense of the connection to all those ecosystems that have that potential for health. And you say that, uh, I mean, you, you quoted Florence Williams from her book, The Nature Fix, that says just five minutes in a forest, the heart rate slows, muscles relax, yeah. the prefrontal cortex quiets. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating to me. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And that it's five minutes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's amazing. And we, we wonder why, you know, like we say, we want to just go on a walk. And usually when we report how the walk went, we're like, oh, it was so nice to just be in the fresh air or so nice to feel the breeze or the sun just felt so nice. It's all those contact moments that we're having with nature that is actually telling us we're feeling better. Um, and then some of that other research that she's pointing to in that and well uh, crafted book, she kind of builds it out over the course of the book to help you see that really the longer time that you spend in nature and the ways you're able to connect to nature 
continues to improve all kinds of well-being benefits, you know, really establishing just an overall happier state with our lives. If we spent, uh, I think it's an hour and a half a week out in nature, we would have a healthier sense of uh, overall well-being and happier sense of ourselves. Um, so you, you, you talked about it a little bit more, but I do feel like we have to have some kind of base on um, definition of what mindfulness is to you. What, what is mindfulness? Yeah. Well, first to say there's a lot of different definitions of that out sure, there. And sure. so um, the teaching that I've been exposed to and adopt is uh, that we establish our own definition. So it's coming from my own sense of practice. Um, and so my own definition of that is uh, a clear and kind awareness to our inner and outer experiences. And so from that place, hopefully we're able to make more skillful decisions in our life. Right? And so the clear and kind awareness is is what we're cultivating and what we're growing a relationship to right it's easy when we walk outside and we see the really you know beautiful colorful flowers or we hear the really beautiful uh bird song but then we see like a dead plant or we hear a mechanical noise and then all of a sudden we're like eh, that's not so nice and then we have a bunch of judgments that might go on about it and it's just different but the mind wants to take it in a different direction. That's like, oh, that's taking away from something right now. And so what we're learning with mindfulness is how to be fully aware, clearly, kindly to whatever it is that's arising so that we can skillfully have a relationship to it that's not causing us stress and, and friction in our lives, which is so important for how we're gonna meet the trauma that we might be um, needing to have attention to to heal. We talk about somatic knowing and somatic healing. What does that mean? What is the word somatic? I mean, what does it mean when you're talking that way? Yeah. So Peter Levine developed somatic experiencing over 30 years ago. And his um, intent for that was that he was studying. Um, he was studying what would be healthy ways to um, heal trauma. And he was actually studying nature. He was watching nature and realizing we human beings don't do such a good job kind of shaking it off and getting back into our lives. And so he, he realized that we really weren't listening to our bodies enough. So somatic healing or experiencing is pointing us to how do we more deeply connect to what's happening to our bodies and use skillful practices to actually help release the trauma that might be stuck. This was his other big point in his, in his identification of this trauma-informed therapy that if we didn't have a chance during the traumatic experience that we went through to be able to let the body do what it needed to do to really regain that sense of safety, restoration, support, the trauma will remain stuck in the body. And so it's not that our head needs to go back through and kind of overly process what the experience was. His theory is more if it's living in the body, then we need to go to the body and help the body resolve what it didn't get to, to do in that time so that it can release itself from the body and transform to not be stuck in the body any longer. Is that something you need assistance with for someone to help you, you know, traverse that, that path? Or is it something you can do on your own? Or I guess it could be a combination of the two. Yeah, I think, I think, well, I wrote the book with the hope that people can be able to do right, this right. on their own. But I also recognize that, you know, trauma is not a, a ABC kind of experience typically. And so sometimes we're going to need 
help to make sense out of what is actually going on. And so it could be useful to connect with a therapist who's trained in this way. But I would also say I was very intentional in the book in building, as you mentioned, the different sections so that we're slowly, steadily building the skills needed to be able to guide ourselves through that practice. And through the whole book, we have the support of nature, which often I'm referring in the book with any practice like, well, so at the end of practice, just take a look around again. Right. So even if we're doing this, this work that might be difficult or challenging and we're guiding ourselves in it, there's still this big container in which we can kind of drop back into and feel that sense of support and, and restoration that's here and available. When you feel disconnected from your body, um, that really, that really affects your well-being. How, what's a way that we, we can connect to our body again or begin the process of that yeah yeah i think um first i want to say that disconnection to the body doesn't need to be viewed as a problem oh that's very interesting yeah um because often the reason that we're disconnected from our body is we've just engaged in survival patterns to try to help ourselves we just didn't know another way how can really how can we be mad at not knowing another way and so viewing it as a problem kind of makes it harder <laughs> to be able to see that we want to first form this kind of kind, this is where mindfulness, kind relationship, kind awareness to, oh, I'm disconnected. Okay, that's what's here, right? And that as we begin to have that kind of a starting point with the disconnection, then we can start exploring in the body what disconnection feels like. I often get asked like, how am I supposed to feel the disconnection? Because doesn't that mean I'm not connected? <laughs> but feeling disconnected is a feeling. It just might be absence of feeling or numb or oh, I didn't know I had the backside of an elbow or the backside of my hand. I've never noticed that those were sensations that were there before. We shouldn't have the tools to pay attention in that kind of way to our body. And so we're just slowly waking that up. And again, this is where nature is so helpful that to feel more connected to our bodies, it can just be simply, it's the, the second chapter of the book I'm pointing to, can we explore the senses in nature? And just let your senses, your body start waking up with the contact points of nature, right? The sound, <laughs> how do we hear the vibration? Or how do we hear the sense of the movement of the flutter of the wind, right? And all of a sudden I'm in my body. I'm actually not disconnected from my body. My body is receiving that stimulus and I'm present to it as it's happening. So the senses are a beautiful doorway to just begin to explore that aliveness that we can begin to feel and sense into. Wonderful. We'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Oh, I am ready. Turn it loose, turn it on. I'm going to Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Hi, welcome back to Big Universe. So, Rachel, um, you talk about befriending the trauma in some ways as you begin to heal. 
What do you mean by befriending the trauma? Yeah, I, you know, I think it was much like I was commenting about that disconnection, like that there's a problem with that. You know, we view our trauma often as a problem and often as something we need to get rid of and something that we need to fix, right? Or get through. And a lot of us, that's what we've done, thinking that was the best path forward. But when I'm referring to befriending, I'm referring to what if it's actually a beautiful teacher? What if it's actually a friend and ally that if we could learn to have a relationship to it, that we find transformation and healing from, it becomes a source of strength. It doesn't mm. have to be something that actually limits the way that we are experiencing our lives. And again, if we have these, you know, practices that slowly, safely take us into that befriending, although we might feel like it's like a porcupine, like I don't want to go touch that guy. Yeah, it feels <laughs> it feels scary to some extent to even say that, you know, yeah. befriending the trauma because we have this, you know, notion of oh my gosh, I don't want to touch that, you know. Exactly, but that's been the protection mechanisms, right? Because we didn't know what else to do. We just said, well, just move on, push it away. Just you know, can't touch. Mm -hmm. And that. our culture decides. Our culture does that a lot. You know, just get through it. You know, what, yes. What's the problem? <laughs> yes, get over it. Why right. are you thinking about that already? <laughs> right. We're not there anymore. But your your body's telling you something. That's why it keeps coming back up. And so. You know, like if you had a stubbed toe, you wouldn't ignore, hopefully, your stubbed toe. You'd give it the attention it needs, the care and the kindness and the support so it could heal. And, and our inner wounds are, are no different. We need to adopt this relationship of we can give it that same kind of tender care so that we can heal and actually see the strength from it. I wondered if you might be able to lead us through a meditation or a, a, a practice of some sort that kind of gives us a sense of how to get that body awareness. Would you be willing to do that for us? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anything that you or Sarah are feeling inclined to want to have me lead as we're here together? Well, I think we could both, we both probably feel stress. <laughs> That's kind of a cop out, but we need to befriend our stress. We need to befriend, befriend our stress. stress. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, great. Well, and uh, yeah, and so maybe we can just lead a little, um, I'll lead us in a uh, bit of a body awareness practice. So maybe we can find where the stress is living and just offer it a bigger container to be with with our awareness by being um, able to focus on it in a more intentional way. Um, and then I'll invite you, you know, wherever both of you are and any of your listeners as well, um, what is the way we can connect to the flavor of nature that's here with us? And even if you're indoors, I'm gonna invite you that the air is all around you. It's literally enveloping the whole body. And so that support of nature, that natural sense of nature is there for us to tune into. So just kind of orienting your body towards what in the particular place that you're in feels like it's there as an ally from nature to support us as we practice. Sounds good. Okay, great. So I'll invite you to, if you like to close your eyes, never necessary to do that, but you may. And if you don't want to close them, just find a gaze point where your eyes can rest down. And then I'll begin this practice by just allowing us to take a few moments to begin to sense the place that you're in. 
as your body is in this particular place, seeing if you can attune to what it is that's here from nature that's supporting you. Maybe it's how you can feel and sense the air as it moves around your body. Maybe it's you can feel and sense the stability of the chair or the floor or the container of your home made of the earth here supporting you. Maybe it's the sounds, the accompanying sounds of the natural world that are here. And as you feel and sense into all of that, seeing if you can allow that to be here with you as you begin to pay attention to the inner landscape. Just beginning to rest your attention inwardly into the body. As we begin to connect inwardly, often the things that are grabbing or sticky or challenging within us can make themselves known, like a busy mind, a tight body, some charge of an emotion. I'm going to invite you to honor whatever that is that's here. It's just a visitor that's here with us right now. There's no need to judge it. And seeing if instead you can now let yourself really begin to focus on feeling your body in connection with the support that's here. So all of the contact points the body has to feel grounded and rooted and settled. And can you invite your body to just Receive that support. Let the body soften into that support that's here. And as you find the body softening and settling in whatever way feels helpful, I invite you to just be curious about where in your body right now, can you just steady your attention to feel where your body feels most grounded or steady? And we might feel this at a place like the sit bones. Maybe it's a particular temperature that we feel. The placement of the arms, the hands, or the feet, or the legs. And just for a few moments, really resting your awareness in that place of your body. The place of your body that feels grounded and supported. Even if that stress or that tension or that thing that wants to grab our attention arises, we can honor, hello, you're here. I see you. 
and then choose to just come back to be in your body. It's a place that feels rooted and grounded. And then for the last few moments of the practice, I invite you to really feel how this rootedness, connected groundedness in your body is here to support you. Maybe there's an image that comes to mind, like how the roots of trees burrow into the earth to hold the tree steady. Or the solidity of rock is always beneath our feet. And just feeling how that's true, as you feel and sense this within your body too. as we close, I just invite the awareness to shift from this inner experience of attention and allow ourselves to bring our attention to the environment, the place we're in again, reconnecting to being together, taking this goodness from our practice with us. Wonderful, wonderful. I felt, you know, a connection to the earth uh, in, my, in my house. I have a basement office. <laughs> and before our conversation, I never really thought of that as a grounding thing for me. I mean, you know, because it was inside, you know, so I, I never really thought of it in that way. But that's very interesting. That's very interesting. And the air too. Yeah, yeah. I have to admit that we are going through something here with with nature, where I live, mm. where there is a large mining operation nearby. Mm that is trying to expand and we're involved in a lot of conversations and meetings and, um, and, and a lot of stress coming off of what that means for where we live and what that means in terms of truck traffic or the, mm. the endangered turtles that are in this area and, and water supply and all those kind of things. And so while we were doing mm. uh, the practice, I heard you know, some of the trucks passing by and so I was trying, I was trying to work with the hello truck um, kind of idea. I hear but, you. But then, but then really noticing, um, you know, where in my body, it started to feel very, very tight every time the truck goes by. Beautiful. And, and what, I'm, what I'm attaching to that, because it, it, there's anger, there's, mm -hmm. there's anger about that. And, and the idea of what happens when a place that brings you solace or a natural, when the natural world is in turmoil or is being um, what we might perceive of as hurt in some way, you know, as part of our human life. So, so that was very useful because those trucks come by about every six minutes now, Rochelle. Oh, wow. So um, yeah. looking at what, yeah. what that feels like or working with yeah. um, stress of the natural world, which I know you talk about in the fourth chapter of, of yeah. your book, uh, that was very helpful. Yeah, beautiful and skillful for you to feel and sense, you know, the, the grippiness or the stickiness of, oh, it doesn't feel like I can say hello, truck. Like there's something else here to look at. And yeah, there's a four letter it. word in between yeah. hello and truck, Rochelle. Let's be honest. <laughs> right? I'm spiritual, but you know. Right, right. Yes, but then that is such a delightful opportunity. That's and that's the that's that befriending moment actually to honor that that's that's not here right now, but what could be here is 
taking care of myself and turning to that experience. And while the practice I led was more of just settling us, getting us present to be grounded, there are parts of the book that explore how do we really turn towards that anger? How do we really use the potency of our practice to feel connected, supported, and grounded to then turn towards those more very intense experiences and begin to find more skillful means to, to work with them. Yeah. I really appreciate that about the practices in the book, because I think sometimes we get this idea that to be healed or to be grounded is to be um, flat in some way in this kind of perfect blissed out state. And then what do we do when we get angry or frustrated or things don't go right? So I think, I think you've hit on something really key there. Yeah. Thank you both for sharing your experiences with the practice. Thank you. Thank you. So you talk about element awareness, earth, wire, earth, wire, earth, water, air, fire, space. First off, what do you mean by space? What I mean by space, and it's an interesting question because I got asked when I was writing the book, aren't there just four? What about, what is this fifth you're talking about? Right. <laughs> and there, there are different traditions that do point to space as being an additional element. Um, so what I'm, what I'm inviting us to consider is that, you know, within all of these elements, it's, it's held by something potentially that's here. And that mm. is space. And then we have all kinds of definitions. We have all kinds of ways we describe or define what that actually is. And so really what I'm just pointing to is to get curious about amidst all of those elements and the practice in the book we're exploring with that is to feel those elements in the body, that while all of those elements are parts of our body and ways we can experience presence to our bodies, within all of that, there is something that's holding it all, that there's this space that we can feel into that, you know, the space between the feeling of the fire and the earthness and how do we, oh, look, there's something that's kind of holding all of that. And, and again, we might just be kind of first intellectually exploring that, but ideally we're beginning to feel that as an embodied sense of there is this lightness, this space, this, maybe even we attach that to a sense of soulness or expandedness or big consciousness, whatever we begin to explore that to be. And so you give examples of sitting meditations and walking meditations um, in, in connecting to the elements. Mm -hmm. What is, uh, you know, we've, we've gone through, I think we've grounded an earth. What's, what's a water alignment that we can consider? Mm, yeah. So, um, well, within the body, a very simple one you can pay attention to is your saliva. <laughs> you can feel that immediately. And my you dog a... helps me pay attention to that too. <laughs> They're the best at that, aren't they? <laughs> but, you know, if we're just learning how to wake up to that sense of the water element in our bodies, that's a very simple place. Or, you know, when we're sweating, that's another water element um, that we can begin to sense. But water element is this interesting element within the body and really when we look at it in the natural world that takes many different shapes and forms depending on how it's coalescing with other experiences right it can be in the form of vapor it can be in the form of ice and so water in the body actually kind of works the same way too we have different qualities of fluidity that we might experience in the body like the way the pulse is moving or the way that we feel like digestion might be moving so it's, it's beginning to feel and sense that 
fluidity or lack of, or, you know, stickiness of, and being able to explore that. Why that's so important is again, if the trauma is stuck in the body, we want to know the current. We want to know what the expression of maybe these ways our body is expressing itself. So we have some place to turn to, to be able to get curious about, to be able to, to heal if there is something there within that element of the body to heal. I love how you use stickiness. <laughs> I think that's so interesting. It really speaks to me, honestly. So when you get overwhelmed, you know, you, you talk about sometimes it, it becomes kind of a tiredness or a dullness in your system. What's something that you can do when you get overwhelmed to sort of process and move beyond that overwhelmed feeling? Yeah. And when you're um, referring to overwhelm, just kind of like too much, can't deal, shutting down, yes. checking out. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the first thing I would say is to honor that you're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we fight that and think that, you know, yes, it's probably, there's been something that's happened along the way that's gotten us to that point. And so that's somewhat problematic. And we would ideally want to look at how to help establish ways that that doesn't happen. But when we are overwhelmed, we need to recognize that we're overwhelmed and then feel that kind of collapse, literally, that sometimes comes with overwhelm and not beat ourselves up for it. I think we're in such a society and especially with unhealed trauma, the tendency is like, just keep going, just keep doing more. So then when we collapse, we think, oh, you ding dong, why, you know, what, pull it together. Do hey, it watch together. the language but, here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for it's that. It's so true though. We go yeah. inside with we that. We do. I'm, yeah. 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 That's the first thing I go to. Yeah. And what, what if we offered to ourselves, I'm overwhelmed. This is what overwhelmed feels like. What's it like in my body right now? And I can almost promise if you offer yourself that way of relating in that moment for just a few moments, some more healthy response will come forward. Like, oh man, you had a rough day. It was a hard day. Wouldn't it be nice to go out and, and put your hands on the, on the earth for a moment? Wouldn't it be nice to go look at your bird friends, right? Like there will be, that's what impulse comes to mind for me a lot, but, but that if we just turn towards what is the thing that is overwhelming and feeling compassion towards it or kindness toward it for just a couple moments, the impulse for a way to healthily take care of ourselves should arise. And so some suggestions that I would offer are put your body in nature. Like, even if you can just open the window, get the fresh air on you for a moment while you let yourself be overwhelmed or, you know, taking yourself on a slow walk, a no destination walk, what would that be like? There's a practice I have in the book where it's, you don't need to get anywhere, just be outside and take yourself on a walk, right? And that sense of just slowing down and honoring the overwhelm is going to give back to your nervous system really what it's asking you for because it's probably overwhelmed and exhausted because you've worked it out too much and mm. so those opportunities to listen more deeply to it probably will invite you into the slowing the taking care the finding the restoration the being off putting the screens down those kinds of things i love the orienting mm. techniques that you talk about in the book can you talk a little bit about about that process, what things you can do in that process? Yeah. So um, 
orienting is a technique that does come from somatic experiencing and I'm kind of mirroring and mapping it into the sensory awareness world. So sensory mindfulness. So orienting just being simply that, what would it be like to walk outside and allow yourself to orient to what allures or draws your attention that's here for your support, right? So when I walk out here, a lot of times it's the birds, right? I'm looking for where they are, I'm tracking their homes, I'm checking on them, right? And my eyes are being pulled into watching their flutteriness, their movement, their habitatting. And that gives me a sense of, oh, friends are here with me, right? And so that what we're pulled into, whether it's through the eyes or the ears, the sense of touch. I don't know if, if you guys are like this, but I see most people are. As soon as they've spent a few minutes in nature, they start touching everything. Like it's a thing that we do as humans. <laughs> I think it's because we're wired for it. I'm sure somebody will study this and figure it out. But you know, we go to touch something and there's that connection of, wow, the softness, or we'll feel the texture, or we'll feel, and then that's a message to the body. It's like, all oh, right, that's another supportive element to help my nervous system feel more stable. And the orienting and the grounding practices are so that we can establish that in our nervous system so we can turn towards those more difficult things. If we just jumped into the deep end and said, okay, I'm going to sit with my anger, I'm going to sit with my overwhelm, that's a lot. So these other practices really support us to establish a bigger container within ourselves so that we can be able to explore um, those practices. What role does intuition play in all of this? I think uh, what is happening as we are more attuned and embodied and not so sticky with our trauma, the sense of intuition has a chance to have FaceTime or have volume or have clarity for connection and so we start to get a greater sense of hmm I really feel like you know that plant is where I want to go and then all of a sudden we go and we spend time in that direction or with that plant and then that intuition to know to go there some other healing was there for us so we start having these I feel like these extra spidey senses that come up because we are more clear we are more connected and we start following that. And then it, it doesn't feel so serendipitous. It feels a little bit more intentional. Like, oh, my, there's something in me, something bigger that was calling me into that direction for myself. I love that you used Spidey Sense. I saw I saw a Sarah go on that one too. That well, you're right up our alley what? there. <laughs> so I today was going through a, a lot of paperwork with an, mm -hmm. urging, uh, an aging family member. And I was getting to that threshold of, you know, of the overwhelm. And a spider crawled right across my calendar <laughs> next to my laptop. And so I got up and picked up the calendar and opened the door to take him outside. And then I thanked him because I realized, oh, I just needed like a minute outside. Of, oh, this little being is helping me know I need to get the heck outside of my office. Right. Real right. spidey sense, Jim. Yes. <laughs> Rochelle, if there was one piece of advice that you would give our audience one practice or piece of advice, what might that be to close out here? I think what comes to mind is, um, you know, if you're listening to this, you're already in the place where you have some internal sense of knowing that says, I'm looking for my healing, I'm following my path of healing. And I would say that that is that intuitive sense that's already there for us to connect to. And so, 
I guess I would invite people to really just keep listening to that and and how can nature really continue to support you in that I really you know the, clearly the title and then the common theme of the whole book is is nature nature and you know I'm I'm really hopeful and through my own experience and through what I see with the people that I support is that when we have a healing moment with nature and we know that she offers something to us of reciprocity and we feel a greater sense of our well-being even like Sarah just shared with the spider we're more connected to her and as a result we'll give back to her in some way it's it's just this cyclical relational supportive way we can be with her and that's my high hope is that if you're on your path to heal whatever's going on on the inside that you connect to nature let her help you and then find the ways that you'll be able to give back to her even if it's to notice that like Sarah was saying <laughs> the judgment about the trucks and coming back to her. like that's already giving back to helping her heal and finding that way that we can relate to supporting her to have health and sustainability as well well, thank you, Rochelle. It's been absolutely wonderful having you. I love your energy. You have such awesome energy. Thank, thank you. you for joining us on Big Universe. For more information about Dr. Rochelle Calvert, you can go to newmindfullife.com and check out her book, Healing with Nature, Mindfulness and Somatic Practices to Heal from Trauma. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to spiritual-rebel.com. I've got premium video courses and I help people create them on my website called youthrackyear.com. Thanks everybody, I'm Jim Lecter. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.